So, EGP learners, in this episode, I'm joined by Jeeves, who's going to talk to us about how the current situation has been affecting trainees and how it might affect you. How are we doing, Jeeves? Uh, I'm good. Uh, really glad to be here. Really glad we got a chance to do this. Um, so, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So, because uh, everyone may not have come across you, I'd be shocked if they haven't. But you never know; there might be somebody who doesn't know who you are. Uh, so, I'm I'm Jeeves Wijesuria. I'm a GP ST3 trainee uh, in Hackney. Uh, in East London. I'm on the uh, Omerton or Hackney VTS uh, program. I was the chair of the junior doctors committee for about three years um, during the contract dispute uh, from the point of imposition taking over to actually reaching the new contract agreement um, and finalizing a new deal with all new money and investment for trainees. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my background is largely income medical education. It's what my master's is in, my academic job was in. Uh, and that's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and I guess for that reason, my, my original plan was to have Jeeves to come on and talk to us about the the changes that happened with the GP contract and to kind of demystify some of the things that's happened with that. Unfortunately, we had a tiny little thing called COVID come across, and that's kind of changed the rules quite significantly. So rather than focusing on that, which is something I think we'll probably come back to once the situation's settled, I think it's probably better that we talk about our current situation and how that's going to impact trainees. So as G said, he, he's currently an SD3. Myself, I'm, I'm a GP trainer. And I'm acutely aware that our current situation has, has with it, so many challenges, but GP training is definitely one of those. And, and I think understanding how that's going to work potentially over the next few weeks would be a really powerful message for you, for you all to hear. So, uh, I mean, can you tell us what it's like at the moment from your perspective? I think, I think it's busy. Um, you know, uh, you know let, let's, not, um, let's not shy away from the reality of the fact that, that teaching is cancelled for a long period of time. Uh, exams have been cancelled for some people days before they were preparing to, to take uh, the CSA. A lot of people in the midst of their preparation for AKT, um, people are worried and uncertain about what's going to happen in the future. And the way that they're working in practices has changed. A lot of people are being kept in ST1 or ST2 hospital jobs uh, that are overrunning. Um, people in ST3 are finding that now that teaching is cancelled, actually a lot of them are having extra sessions scheduled as part of the work that they do. Some people are finding, that the majority of people are finding that their practices move from face-to-face uh, t- uh, consultations to telephone consultations, if not at least telephone triage before face-to-face consultations. Um, so it's a really changing landscape of medicine, and that's happened almost overnight, actually, for a lot of people. So it's, I guess, what we've been talking about anyway before this was just, you know, how to help people prepare for that, how to help people adapt in what is a difficult situation, not just professionally but balancing their personal and private lives with child mm-hmm. with you know seeing family who might be vulnerable giving people advice about covid in their personal lives and then coming into work and managing patients that might be in similar situations so there's a, there's a lot there to unpick i think mm-hmm. and i think i guess the first question i will probably want to know um as a trainee like you said um it's kind of like the rules have been suspended you know so bts has kind of gone um, and that's gone for at least a couple of months, I would imagine. Um, and, you know, so trainees aren't getting that educational time or that dedicated educational time anymore. So can you give us any idea about what that exactly means? I mean, should trainees still be off doing educational stuff? Should they be doing something different? You know, how, how should they be using that? Well, I mean, that's been different in lots of different VTSs. It's been different in lots of different practices. In some places where they're struggling a lot, they're asking trainees to do extra clinics or sessions. Um, 
the really important thing for you is that wherever you're having clinics or sessions, you make sure you're building in appropriate debrief supervision time to make sure you discuss cases that are difficult. Um, and we, we can talk a bit about that some more because actually, you know, we're seeing people in a very different context. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got time that was educational. There's, there's still the opportunity for you to use that time. Um, you know, there's still, there's still time for you to be able to now look into perhaps maybe different types of resource and different types of work than you were doing before. Often, I know in the midst of these crises, it can feel like you don't know what to do and actually all the revision and the work kind of get put on hold. But actually, you have an opportunity now to do some of the other skills that are probably going to make up what the future of GP after this is going to be. Telephone triage. There's loads of great webinars. I know you've done one with um, Trish Greenhall, who's, uh, and it's a, it's a really good resource and it's free for people that want to use that. MB Medical Education have produced a free webinar. It seems like almost everyone's got like telephone triage tips and information out there. And I'd really recommend trainees take the time to do that. So they're, you know, making sure that not only their telephone consultation or triage skills are good, but that they're protecting themselves as part of that. The MPS and the MDU have resources around documentation and decision-making. BMA have put out some new ethics guidance to help people with what can be difficult decisions when you can't do the investigations you would normally do. You can't necessarily make the referrals you might normally make. Um, so there's, there's lots of material there for people to be able to digest and use um, in what would have been perhaps teaching time or educational time. There's content that you can cover in supervision uh, with your boss that might actually not just benefit you, but might also benefit them to talk about. You know, one of the best about tutorials sometimes is actually you can both learn about something that you may not have known about before. Um, so there, there are lots of ways for you to use that time effectively and well if you choose to. And actually, you know, come the end of this, there are requirements in our curriculum around telephone triage, telephone appointments. Um, if you still have the ability to do things like COTS or whatever, um, actually this is a really good opportunity to really hone those skills and get them up to that you know, finished standard. Um, so, so do try to do that if you can. Um, mm. The important thing I would say to you is I know you may not have VTS. I know you may not have um, that regular face-to-face, but there are facilities like Zoom that mean that actually if people have the opportunity to have a regular once a week catch up with the rest of the VTS, just to see each other and chat about how things are going in your practices. Almost every VTS I know has a WhatsApp group, which Sometimes can be a bit overwhelming, um, but sometimes it's really good to have a space where you can raise, you know, what is your practice, uh, what is your practice doing? What can our practice do maybe that's an opportunity? And sometimes having those face-to-face catch-up sessions, even if they're not even about work, but just about how people are doing can be, can be really powerful. So I'd, I'd really recommend trying to retain some of that in your, in your rosters and your work schedules as, as we try and plan and adapt with the way this thing is changing. Definitely agree with a lot of that. I mean, uh, I guess to pick up on a few of those points, so like you said, making sure that you've got appropriate debrief time still, even if you are doing additional kind of clinical work. And I guess even with the change in type of work, don't forget that um, whilst you will be potentially learning those new skills of remote triage, whether that's telephone or video, you know, there's lots of practices themselves that are just learning this as well that have never done these method mechanisms of, you know, assessing patients. So as a practice, you know, taking that as a learning opportunity and being involved in that, because actually, you know, some of our trainees may be able to pick it up a lot more 
quicker and a lot effectively um, and sharing that knowledge you know um, in, in my practice you know um, although I've been really comfortable and confident doing video consultations my practice hasn't done video consultations but they are now so sharing the learning you're getting from that has been a real experience and our trainees have really picked up on that quite well and then as a result of that I've been able to share that information I guess the other thing you mentioned about obviously connecting through other routes I mean obviously a we've got social distancing which is one thing you know so we can't actually potentially be in the same room at the same time anyway even if we wanted to be um but then you know using mechanisms like zoom i guess it's important to talk about the nhs offer for three months for um, ms teams and if you have the ability to create a team there's not to say that you can't create a vts team which will also automatically allow you to have the video mechanism to meet and talk with people and chat and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of background support thing um, that can even work with patient notes because actually MS Teams does have the, the, the required security to work with and patient data and that kind of thing. I guess it's just, you know, trying to make sure that you're not stranded really to, to talk to people and still feel that you can do that. It's going to be really important. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, you know, the reality is it's not just elements of training that are going to lead into your personal life and back and forth. You know, lots of people are trying to work out, you know, how they manage being less than full time, how they manage maternity, childcare, all of these things. And actually, those are shared challenges, you know. GPs as well as GP trainees are trying to now balance all of these competing interests. And, you know, sometimes there are solutions that can be shared amongst them and you know, I think it's worth having space in which we can all have those conversations to try and make sure, you know, that we can try and at least solve or we've got someone in the same place with those problems. Mm-hmm. I guess one thing I wanted to pick up with yourself, I mean, I mean you mentioned things like COTS and CBDs and trying not to lose focus on those. Uh, I'm mindful at the point that we're recording this. Um, so we've still got a couple of months to go before majority of people go through their panels. Um, and also we've not had an official announcement on this. It may have come out in the time of, filming to processing and and this coming out um but i guess you know people are are thinking okay so i've got my panel coming up in a month or two i've got a set number of cots and cbds i'm meant to be doing you know the world kind of feels like it's going a bit crazy um you know the focus is not potentially going to be on that as much and you know with people going off sick the potential for even doing those may not be there any ideas how this might work you know I mean, my, my perspective i mean you can you can correct me on this as mm. I imagine this is going to be a normal series of arcps mm. I, and i think it would be you know it would be astonishing to me if people who are also going through this and having to run these panels don't recognize that and mm-hmm. I, you know i think they will i think there's going to be understanding about the number of assessments that you're going to have to do. I think there's going to be a greater level of understanding of the challenges that you're facing now. Um, But I think we have to recognize that sometimes, you know, putting ARCP, which I know is a stressor to one side, um, all ARCP is meant to be is a checkpoint that tells you, you know, are you progressing? Are you learning? Are you continuing your professional development? And where we kind of need to be is we almost need to let go of some of these assessment things, which I know is more difficult than, than it sounds. And say, okay, well, if I'm going to be a GP one day in the midst of things like this that might happen again, what skills do I need? Mm-hmm. What are the things I need to improve on? What are the things I need to develop? And I think, I guess it's almost establishing for ourselves what things are important, what things are valuable. If there are opportunities to do bits of learning with video consultations, uh, COTS, et cetera, great, fantastic. You know, the reality is for a lot of people that isn't going to be able to be possible through kind of formal routes. If you have the ability to reflect on 
I think even this crisis, I think that will make a really powerful read to explain all, you know, explain some of the things that have been going on. I think ARCP panels will be understanding. The big question that I think is unanswered is what happens at the ST3 ARCP? What happens at the point at which you need to have done CSA, AKT, et cetera? Uh, and that may not have been possible. And that's mm. probably a big question I think the college is going to have to have to answer for people at some point. Um, but, you know, I think, I think for right now, we are, we are in a position where that, that you know, we can't say, we, we're not going to be able to. No, no, unfortunately we can't say. And like I said, this episode might be going out to the EGP learners before, um, you know, there is supposed to be some sort of announcement pending. So that may already be out. So apologies if it is out and it's different to what we're thinking. Um, yeah. I mean, in my head, I can see that the easiest fix in some senses is just to basically give everybody a three month extension um, and hope that that's enough. Um, but obviously that has I- implications. My suspicion is that I think SD1, SD2 will progress at the end of the year, uh, assuming the progress up till now has been sufficient. And they've done, I would hope, the majority of things that they need to do. I think the problem will, will come ST3 and there will be extensions across the board because mm-hmm. I can't see what else they could do unless someone has completed CSA, AKT and sufficient progress has been made, in which case I'd imagine they'd have to consider whether they would CCT those people. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but you picked up on an interesting point. You know, we're a, a, a unique situation. I mean, this has been banded around so many times, unique, unprecedented, all, the, all these kind of words and stuff. But um, I, I mean, reflecting on for myself, I mean, I was a trainee during the SARS outbreak. Um, and it, this just seems a different kind of beast completely. I mean, it may be that I'm obviously doing different things compared to when I was a, a trainee during SARS and stuff, but it just seems like this is a completely different level and there are opportunities. There's definitely challenges. Let's not you know, mitigate those at all. But in terms of system change, in terms of seeing how primary care, how, how secondary care, how, how basically the whole healthcare system responds to the system. It's just interesting at times as well, yeah. even through the chaos. It's fascinating, isn't it? You know, one of the things I've, I guess I've talked about for a really long time is, you know, so much of our training, we spend learning how to be a GP. Mm. But they, you know, these opportunities are bits where you get to see how the whole system works, how the whole system reacts. Right now, you know, even GP colleagues are finding new ways of working and doing things. There's a huge opportunity here for trainees to get that, you know, that whole view of what the system works, to see different kinds of leadership locally, nationally, you know, some of the things that are happening at CCG level, you know, how are they going to solve some of the problems that they're encountering now? And, you know, actually, you know, what, what an opportunity to, to see that side of, of healthcare. You know, obviously, you know, not in the situation anyone would want, but, you know, often in these crises, op- there's so much opportunity to see, you know, what is happening and actually to get involved. You know, one of the really powerful things that trainees can offer potentially um, is to be able to free themselves up to help in some of these situations and offer a different perspective on the way that things are done. You know, as you mentioned, so many trainees are really, you know, savvy with technology in a way that, you know, may not always be the case in the practice that you're in. You may have the opportunity to take up a leadership role in helping facilitate how things are going to work and use, you know, tutorials, supervision, virtual team meetings, I would imagine at this point to be able to, to demonstrate how some of those different systems might work. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess it's also worth us focusing on the well-being of our workforce and our peers and, and, and stuff. You know, this is a massive thing. As I said, this situation does seem different to me at the very least compared to the SARS one. Well-being wasn't really a big problem, I don't feel. But I guess this time around, you know, I mean, there's obviously the health of, of the workforce itself if you're directly being affected by COVID and, and stuff. But in terms of, you know, people coping with what may be to come, um, you know, we haven't got through to, you know, when we're filming this, we haven't got to the point where things like Italy and that kind of stuff have happened, but they've been through that. And we've seen footage from Italy, we've seen footage from Spain, how, you know, clinicians have really struggled, you know, to cope with what they've seen and done and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, any any thoughts on, on how, how, you know, your colleagues are going to be able to potentially deal with the situation if that was to come here in the UK? Uh, I think things are pretty tough. To be honest, I think you know you look at the you look at the videos and the stories abroad. I mean, they're astonishing. I think probably the most important thing, if we could if we could take one thing away from perhaps this webinar, or I think or I hope that people are thinking about his well being. You know, you're seeing so many people put onto in hospital, for example, rotors that are more than you know one in two. They're working you know really long, intense shifts with really difficult cases that might resonate with their personal lives. Um, I think it's so important that people try to make the time now uh, to make sure that they're looking after themselves, that they're managing what can be an inordinate amount of anxiety. And you can see it, you can feel it right across the healthcare system. You have a conversation with anyone, your trainer, uh, GP partners, salary GPs, colleagues, people in the hospital, people just on Twitter or WhatsApp or whatever. And because of the nature of society now, that you, you can be bombarded with that information you know, whether you're at work or at home, and that can, that can be too much. Um, and I think it's so important people use some of the resources that have been made available to staff now. So, uh, you know, Headspace is free to everyone. There's a free counseling service uh, available via the BMA website, open to anyone and everyone. And they're actually looking for more counselors. So if anyone feels able to do that, they're able to apply to become a, a, a you know, a counselor for that service you know, all of these different things that you could, that we, that we recommend to our patients, mm -hmm. they have anxiety or work related stress. All of those things apply to us too. So many of us are feeling, you know, maybe I can do more. What can I do to help? So many of us throwing ourselves kind of into the breach as it were to try and help. And actually it's really important that alongside anything we're doing in terms of our work or in terms of what's happening now, we take the time to care for, ourselves but also for our colleagues and i think mm -hmm. it's recognizing you know our trainers are going to feel that too our, our gp supervisors are going to feel that too um, and for all of us take take the time use the different resources that we recommend to our patients um and 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 you know make sure that we're we're doing you know some activities that you know give us headspace from what is happening around us whether that's going for a you know our daily run that we're allowed to do whether that's making sure that you sit down with a book that has nothing to do with what is happening around you, making sure you have, you know, a certain point at which you put your phone down and you say, I'm not looking at social media um, mm -hmm. tonight. I'm spending that time with my family, you know, just taking time with your family, even if it's, you know, making a phone call to friends, making a phone call to someone, um, just taking time for yourself, turning your phone off after a certain hour of the evening. So you're not bombarded with information, you know, mm -hmm. just, where socially distancing doesn't mean we need to be distant from one another you know knowing that your colleagues are going to be stressed as well coming in just you know checking in on them sometimes just a knock at the door that one of the best things about supervision at the moment is not just um 
is not just the process of talking about cases that are difficult. Sometimes it's just checking in with people to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's trying to make sure we keep doing those things because uh, GP can be a very lonely place, particularly now. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's probably the most important thing that we start to, we start to tackle early doors because what we, what we need to recognize is, you know, this could be going for a while. Um, and you know, it's going to be a marathon and not a sprint. Definitely agree. And I think important to recognize some of those points that you mentioned as well. So, um, you know, some, some of our trainees will be doing remote working, for example. Um, and it's important to remember that, yes, with, you know, and you mentioned a lot about working within the practice and not feeling distant from other people, but actually there is going to be a chunk of our workforce that now are being forced to work from home and therefore aren't around the practice. And, and, you know, one of the things I know that many people have said to me and myself, I felt as well as an element of guilt uh, yeah. of not being there. So, so, you know, I've been away from work because of clinical director roles and other kind of things as well. And as a result of that, um, you know, I feel guilty that, you know, I'm not there to chip in like I normally would be. And, and that's, that's a weird feeling sometimes, but it, it, it's something that I think unfortunately uh, we feel because we feel we're letting other people down. But in, in reality, this is a much bigger situation than those. You know, a lot of this is because you're being told you can't be at work. And it's important to remember that and not feel guilty and also not to blame as well. You know, people may feel that, you know, uh, they're not here because, you know, they're sick or whatever and stuff. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's important to remember that. I, th- I think that's spot on. Um, you know, it's incredible how many people are feeling like, oh, I, I should do more. I should mm-hmm. be doing xyz there's some there's this kind of competitive masochism that i really feel is kind of inherent in sometimes um and i you know honestly i think all of us in the duration of this are going to encounter periods where we're going to have to socially isolate because mm-hmm. of colds what have you you know ultimately you know we as a generation are fortunate that we have spent the last you know, 10, 20 years developing technology. So there are ways that we can contribute from home, from elsewhere, mm-hmm. whatever. But ultimately there are going to be times when we're not going to be able to do that. That's, that's just the reality of it. And our colleagues are going to encounter those times. And it's just about being human and understanding of each other and also recognizing our own limitations. You know, this isn't about fault. This isn't about blame. You know, we have a set of rules that we need to kind of abide by right now. And we are congratulating our patients for staying at home when they have a cough or a temperature. You know, we're not separate. We're not special. We're not different from that. We, you know, we, we have to abide by those same rules. And actually... We're still human at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's remembering that. Uh, Definitely. Better than done for a lot of us. Yeah. So thanks, Jeeves, for giving me your time because I think hearing a lot of that for for our colleagues, for our peers, for our trainees would be really useful in terms of, you know, clearly the situation is different, um, you know, unique, unprecedented, whichever word you want to use is being banded around by the media on a regular basis. But but it, it is a different situation, I think, that we're dealing with. And I think, you know, a lot of our colleagues are going to be finding it tough. But I think, like you said, it's also trying to look for the, the potential silver linings in what is available in terms of how that may work. From a training perspective, we're going to need to see what the decisions are. Um, but hopefully that's still opportunity in terms of giving us the, the time and, and you know the play to effectively see how our training goes. And more importantly, just you know supporting our professions, supporting our peers and supporting each other you know, to, to yeah. try and get through this really. So I'd love to thank you for joining us. Um, if people did want to contact you and stuff for further 
you know, ideas, things, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, and my Twitter, my Facebook, and I'm happy for you to share my email address as well. So I'm at uh, Ask Jeeves Widge on Twitter, uh, something similar, I think, on Instagram, but also available on Facebook under Jeeves Widge Surya. And I'll pass my email address on to you so you can put it in the text. Yeah. So interestingly, um, you should be honest, Jeeves is probably one of the, the few people that probably could claim to be on as many platforms as myself. Um, <laughs> So similarly, you know, if you've got any questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of them, you know, all the links down below and stuff. And I'll definitely make sure that Jesus' stuff is down in the show notes if you want to check that out. If you are listening on the, the podcast, make sure you leave a review on iTunes especially. It really does help out. And if you are watching us on YouTube, um, you know, click the subscribe, all that kind of stuff. We'd love it if you could do that. And as always, EGP Learning is here to help save you and your patient's time by taking Hanson Primary Care and Learning. Catch you next episode.